Good morning, St. Luke, and happy Palm Sunday to you. I hope that you are doing well while we remain in isolation. I know that it can be trying, and it definitely has ups and downs. I will say for our family, it's going a lot better than I thought it would. I'm very thankful for kids who make it easy. Trying to entertain and feed them is hard sometimes, but for the most part, they just go outside and play, or we go on walks, um, and we have a ton of snacks to keep their tummies full. So I'm very grateful for that. I hope that you are getting what you need. I hope that you're still connecting with friends and family with phone calls or emails. I know social media is a great way to stay in touch right now. But whatever it is you need, um, if that if that need is not being met, please let me know. I would love to give you a call or send an email or even a card um, in the mail. Although I don't know about y'all, but I've been Lysoling everything I get out of the mailbox. So you may not want mail from me right now. But anyway, I want you to know that you are loved and that you are remembered and that you are thought of daily because I truly love my St. Luke family and what we mean to one another. I miss the sacred walls of our space. I really believe it's a special place. And um, there's a there's a certain spirit that dwells in there when we're together. And, and I miss that dearly. So um, I really do look forward to the time when we can be together again and celebrate worship and praise together again. I know normally is when we would, right now is when we might sing a hymn or pray a prayer together. I'm not sure how to pray over a podcast. It feels a little odd because I don't have your energy with me. But I do want to say that we are remembering everyone who has stayed on our list, um, Cousin Frida and um, Nikki's friend Sandra, and I think especially of all of the people who are struggling with addictions right now and having to stay at home, maybe not receiving the care they need to maintain sobriety. Oh, I can't imagine. Um, so we hold all of these people up in prayer and we offer our gratitude, our our thanks for the homes that we live in, um, the food that we do have, even though it may not be exactly what we want all the time. And the friendships that we have with one another, um, us, our brothers and sisters in Christ through St. Luke. And so we offer all of these things up to God and we say, help us, Lord, and thank you for all that you have provided. Our scripture today from Palm Sunday, I'm going to take from the book of Matthew, of course, this story of Jesus's entry into Jerusalem is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, and each story tells it a little bit differently. I'm, I'm choosing to use Matthew's version today. So Matthew 21 says to us, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, or something, I don't know how to pronounce that, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt beside her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey or fowl. How do you say that? 
The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David, which is key for for Matthew. Matthew always connected Jesus back to David. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, some might say, actually, I think specifically Clyde, (laughs) Clyde might say that this is one of my sermons where I am choosing to speak my truth. And I'm trusting that we are all um, loving of one another, not because we are exactly the same, but because we see things differently. And yet we find unity and harmony um, with one another. So this may not be a typical Palm Sunday sermon. Uh, I believe it offers hope, but it may not be the kind of cheerful hope that we are seeing all over the internet right now. Um, If you don't know how much I struggle with scripture uh, at this point, um, that tells me you haven't been listening to a word I've been saying for over a year. (laughs) But anyway, this is a sermon that um, the words were just coming to me very uh, strongly and I couldn't shake them. And so I offered them to you now and we will do with them what we feel is best. Here's my truth. My truth is, I dread Palm Sunday every year. That's right. I said, I dread Palm Sunday every year. The pomp and circumstance that surrounds the procession of palms and the donkeys and the churches and the kids parading down the aisles, I know it's fun and cute and it definitely creates memories, but I really feel like it's the exact opposite of what I imagine the actual Palm Sunday was like for Jesus and the crowd who cheered for him. In the past, when I would leave worship on Palm Sunday, I would often feel frustrated and irritated and alone. Because for me, the way we celebrate Palm Sunday reflects our misunderstanding of who Jesus was to the people around him. To us, the way we talk about and portray Jesus' place in history today was that he was some sort of hero. Side note, I'm suspending the words Savior and Messiah for right now, so hang in there with me, because I just called Jesus a hero. So let that hang. We teach about Jesus in ways that highlight our value system. We explain him to ourselves and to others as if he were a volunteer of the year or philanthropist of the century, a model citizen who lived life on the straight and narrow and whose whose reputation was so pure that no one could dispute his honor. Sure, I believe he was a man who lived without sin, but not because he was a mild and meek person who didn't lie or cheat, drink, dance, play cards, or go to the movies. 
I believe that he was without blame because he loved with abandon. Jesus abandoned all forms of power and domination, including his own religious tradition. He was an interrupter, an agitator. He pushed a way of life and a new belief system that was so counter to the culture of his time that they saw no other way to deal with him other than to kill him. Jesus didn't die on the cross because he walked up to it and said, here, hang me. No, it was after all of his overturning the tables and debunking Jewish laws and questioning the government that his own people shouted in a chorus of demands that he must die because he was not saying the words or behaving in a way that they were comfortable with. His new way of life took it one step further than they could handle, which he knew he would do, and they cried out, crucify him. So this riding a donkey into town business, yes, it was to show he was the Prince of Peace. But truth be told, he made that claim in the most confrontational way possible. The actual ride into town may have been somewhat peaceful, with palms waving and Hosanna coming out of the people's mouths. But the real message Jesus was sending caused an absolute uproar. Walter Brueggemann was the one who opened my eyes to the other side of the story. At a conference on St. Simon's Island one January, it was either he himself or someone teaching about his work that taught me about the other parade happening at the exact same time as Jesus's parade. Historical records show Jesus wasn't the only one riding into town on, on an animal that day. While Jesus was riding in from the east on a donkey, The Roman imperial army was marching into town from the west on their massive war horses with Herod and Pilate at the lead, staking their claim as ruler of all. It was Passover, a celebration of Jewish freedom from Pharaoh. And yet, the current system of government was reminding Jewish protesters of who was really in charge. So, no... Jewish people were not under Pharaoh anymore, but the Roman Empire made sure they knew they were not completely free. And so Jesus enters the scene, not on a war horse, but a donkey, and people waved palms to celebrate him. And today, we wave palms to celebrate him. But my question is, To which parade do we really belong? Are we liberators or oppressors? Are we challenging systems that hold people down? Or are we supporting a hierarchical divide among humans? Are we living out a set of beliefs? that shows everyone is equal? Or are we saying everyone is equal, but living out a set of beliefs that shows some humans are better than others? For me, 
I have witnessed for far too long the ones standing in the crowd on Jesus' side, crying out in the name of Jesus, also participate in unjust power and domination like the Romans. I know that I do. I am not naive or ignorant to the fact that I live a life of privilege. And my privilege often means others suffer while I rest in comfort. Most of us do, whether we want to admit it or not. When we live as part of a social, cultural, and religious system that allows for groups of people to live in cages, jails, and immigration detention centers alike, we are in the Roman parade, not Jesus's. When we uphold laws and ways of life that favor one group of people over all others, we are in the Roman parade, not Jesus's. When we turn a blind eye to current forms of segregation, we are in the Roman parade, not Jesus's. When we forget that people who look and act and think differently than us are just as much a part of God's family as we are, we are in the Roman parade, not Jesus's. Now, I cannot pretend to understand what is happening right now with the COVID-19 pandemic. All I know is if the virus has taught us anything, it is that we are all vulnerable and susceptible, even Tom Hanks. (laughs) The virus is showing us that no matter the amount of education, money, or power we have, It does not, none of those things place us above or apart from anyone else. We're all the same. And on top of that realization, another one is that the structures we have put into place to pretend that there's some order to life, they're falling apart. And so what will take their place? My hope, my longing hope, is that we allow for Jesus's parade, Jesus's way of life to emerge, a life that fights for equity, a life that teaches all human beings are valuable A life that offers a world where individual gain loses to collective wholeness. For me, that means peace and love. The kind of radical 
unyielding, rude, confrontational peace and love that was lived by Jesus is needed now more than ever. Things are coming undone. But they will come back together again. What will be in place? There's a meme going around that says, what we nurture now, we will live with later. The meme is, of course, referencing, are we going to support Amazon or are we going to support small businesses with our money right now? But it's relevant for us who are praying this prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What are we nurturing right now while this great virus is equalizing us all? For me, on this Palm Sunday, I choose. I choose to intentionally leave the pomp and the circumstance to the ones who want to hold on to power and domination. I'll still pick up a palm and I will wave it. But I wave it with the desire to embrace peace and embrace love and embrace Jesus. Jesus, the one who said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. All of the law, according to Jesus, all of the law hangs on loving God and loving neighbor. And so as we work on rebuilding a life that has been taken apart, may we filter our choices, may we filter our decisions, our attitudes, the beliefs that we will hold on to through Jesus's lens to love our neighbor. And the people cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. St. Luke, I look forward to being with everyone in person soon. Until then, please take good care. And please reach out if you need help. I am here for you. We are all here for one another. And as we go about our days, let us remember that we are called to be the light and the love of God in the world, even if it looks completely different than what um, people want us to think it looks like. I'll say that. And so may the peace of God that transcends all understanding fill each and every one of us. And may we remember that because God loves us, we must love one another. Amen.